Chapter Thirteen, Episode the First of Tatarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Nugent, Tatarin of Tarascon, by Anfons Duday. Episode the first in Tarascon, Chapter Thirteen, the departure. Eftsoons arrived the great and solemn day. From dawn, all Tarascon had been on foot, encumbering the Avignon road and the approaches to Balba Villa. People were up at the windows, on the roofs, and in the trees. The old bugge, porters, dredges, shoeblacks, gentry, tradesfolk, wappers and weavers, taffety workers, the club members, in short, the whole town. Moreover, people from Bouquet had come over the bridge, market gardeners from the environs, carters in their huge carts with ample tints, wine dressers upon handsome mules tricked out with ribbons streamers bells rosettes and jingles and even here and there a few pretty maids for malice come on the pillion behind their sweethearts with bonny blue ribbons round the head upon little iron-grey camergy horses all this swam squeezed and jostled before our good Tatarin's door, who was going to slaughter lions in the land of the Turks. For Tarascon, Algeria, Africa, Greece, Persia, Turkey, and Mesopotamia, all form one great hazy country, almost a myth, called the land of the Turks. They say Turks, but that's a linguistic digression. In the midst of all this throng, the cap hoppers bustled to and fro, proud of their captain's triumph, leaving glorious wakes where they had passed. In front of the Indian fig tree house were two large trucks. From time to time the door would open and allow several persons to be spied, gravely lounging about the little garden. At every new box the throng started and trembled. The articles were named in a loud voice. That, that's the sheltered tent. These, the potted meats. That's the physic chest, these the gun cases, the cap poppers giving explanations. All of a sudden, about ten o'clock, there was the great stir in the multitude, for the garden gates banged open. Here he is, here he is, they shouted. It was he indeed. 
When he appeared upon the threshold, two outcries of stupefaction burst from the assemblage. He's a Turk! He's caught on spectacles! In truth, Tatarin of Tarascon had deemed it his duty on going to Algeria to don the Algerian costume, full white linen trousers, small tight vest with metal buttons, a red sash, two feet wide around the waist, the neck bare and the forehead shaven, and a vast red fez or sexy on his head with something like a long blue tassel thereto. Together with these two heavy guns, one on each shoulder, a broad hunting knife in the girdle, a bandolier across the breast, a revolver on the hip swinging in his patent letter case. That is all. No, I cry your pardon. I was forgetting the spectacles. A pantomimically large pair of agile barnacles, which came in partly to temper what was rather too fierce in the bearing of our hero. Long life to Tatarin! Hip, hip, hurrah for Tatarin! roared the populace. The great man smiled, but did not salute, on account of the firearms hindering him. Moreover, he knew now on what popular favor depends. It may even be thought, in the depths of his soul, he cursed his terrible fellow townsfolk, who obliged him to go away and leave his pretty little pleasure house with whitened walls and green venetians but there was no show of this calm and proud although a little pallid he stepped out on the footway glanced at the handcarts and seeing all was right lustily took the road to the railway station without even once looking back toward Balbafila. Behind him marched the brave Commandant Bravida, Ladovez, the chief judge, Costicant, the gunsmith next, and then all the sportsmen who pop at caps, preceding the handcarts and the rag, tag, and bobtail. Before the station, the station master awaited them, an old African veteran of 1830, who shook Tatarin's hand many times with fervency. The Paris to Marseille express was not yet in, so Tatarin and his staff went into the waiting rooms. To prevent the place being overrun, the station master ordered the gates to be closed. During a quarter of an hour, Tatarin promenaded up and down in the rooms, in the midst of his brother marksmen, speaking to them of his journey and his hunting, and promising to send them skins. 
They put their names down in his memorandum book for a lion's skin apiece, as Wanzu book for a dance. Gentle and placid, as Socrates on the point of quaffing the hemlock, the intrepid Terrasconian had a word and a smile for each. He spoke simply, with an affable mien. It looked as if, before departing, he meant to leave behind him a week of charms, regrets, and pleasant memories. On hearing the leader speak in this way, all the sportsmen felt tears well up, and some were stung with remorse. To wit, Chief Judge Ladeves and the chemist Bouzouquet. The railway employees blubbered in the corners, whilst the outer public squinted through the bars and bellowed, Long live Tatarin! At length the bell rang, a down rumble was heard, and a piercing whistle shook the vault. The Maxario Express, gentlemen, Goodbye, Tatarin, good luck, old fellow. Goodbye to you all, murmured the great man, as, with his arms around the brave commandant Bravida, he embraced his dear native place collectively in him. Then he leapt out upon the platform and clambered into a carriage full of Parisian ladies who were ready to die with fright at sight of this stranger with so many pistols and rifles. End of chapter 13 of episode the first